welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. For those who don't know me, my name is Stanley Lane. I'm the church planning resident here at Connection Church Dublin. I don't know about you, I just woke up this morning so many different emotions, right? Because I, I guess, you know, we all know about what happened with Georgia. I did fall asleep um, at 1030, so I missed it. I thought they had lost, um, but I woke up and I saw that they had won, so I was excited. But not only that, man, I was just excited about what God is about to do in 2023. Um, I'm excited about what he's already done in 2022, but I'm really excited about what he's going to do this coming up year. Just with the church plant, I know in just a few months that we'll, we'll be starting planning a church in Wilkeson County, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from here. It's my hometown. Um, it's the people that I grew up with and that need the gospel. So I'm, I'm extremely excited. And it's, it's not just Stanley planning this church. It's you guys as well. Um, y'all have prayed for me, encouraged me, um, and y'all come alongside. We have families that are actually going to go with us to Wilkinson County, so that's exciting as well. So we're very appreciative, very nervous, uh, very scared. Um, I didn't come up in ministry. I come from the chalk mine, uh, but the Lord called me into ministry, so here I am. But anyway, with all started and said, let's, let's start in prayer. Um, but we're talking about how um, our year last year started in prayer and fasting, and let's just uh, start in prayer this morning. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are, first of all. I thank you for what you've done in 2022, God. I thank you for each soul that was saved, each marriage that was united, God. And I just, God, how you continue to work in this community in Dublin. And uh, God, we ask that you do it again. We ask that you do it again um, this year in Dublin, but you also would do it in Wilkinson County, God. And ultimately, the God, that you would do it in, and you would help us reach the, reach the nations with the gospel. So, Father God, I just pray for our time uh, this morning, God. I just pray that you would remove me and um, you would just have your way, God. I'm just a vessel. Uh, so, Lord, I just ask that you speak through me, speak through your word. And, God, I just pray that the veil is lifted of hearts today and of eyes, God, and that you would open eyes and hearts. And, and God, that you would move and you would only do what only you can do, and, and that's uh, move in might and power. So, Lord, we, made it, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, a happy new year. How many of you have made a new year's resolution? Yeah, me either. Yeah, yeah no. Um, I did read some stats about new year's resolutions that, that kind of caught my attention. It said that most new year's resolutions is to eat healthier, exercise, and to lose weight. And it also said that 81% of people who make these as their new year's resolution, they fail by February. Um, but I also read that 80% of stats are made up. So there is a little bit of hope uh, for you if you made those as your New Year's resolutions. But, um, so there is a little hope. But this year, what I want to do, I really want to challenge you and encourage you to make a New Year's resolution that will make a kingdom impact. And say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I, what I mean by that, and I ask this question to myself regularly, and I've asked it to you before, if you could do anything for the glory of God, what would you do? If you could do anything to make a kingdom impact, what would you do? My, the next question is, then why aren't you doing it? Then why aren't you doing it? Um, so that's my, my encouragement for you um, this morning. Um, just a few months ago, just to kind of go along with that, 
the, the Lord gave me three words. Uh, he gave me three words, and I believe these three words were for the Wilkeson County Church plant, but I also believe that these three words are for you as well. And these three words are renew, restore, and rebuild. And that's the three words that he gave me. Um, and the reason I believe like it's, it's for you as well, because I've already seen God start doing that here in Dublin. I've seen him do it in our church. I've seen him do it in your homes. I've seen men st- stepping up and being the men that God has called them to be, leading their families, leading their families spiritually. I've seen men step up praying for their wives. I've seen uh, marriages that were on the brink of, of crumbling, uh, being renewed. I've seen addicts start the process of healing. Um, I've seen whole communities started, starting to be restored. And like Buck announced earlier, we had 105 people um, go from dead to life um, and salvation. So God is starting this renewing and this restoring and this rebuilding and ultimately this revival that I see going on here. And my prayer is that he will continue to do that in 2023, which I believe he is. But not only here, but do it also in Wilkeson County. So God has done way more than we could have ever expected or imagined in 2022. And I believe he's going to do it again in 2023. But what is our part in this process? What is our part in this process? We believe here at Connection Church that every single one of you were born on purpose for a purpose. We're all here for a purpose. And that purpose is not just to get up in the morning, go to work, come home, have a meal, go back to bed and repeat and repeat. It's not. That is not what the purpose is for. Yes, that's a gift that God has given us, but that's not the purpose. So this morning, what I want to do, I want to take you to an Old Testament uh, book. It's it's, uh, Nehemiah. And we'll be in Nehemiah chapter 4. So I know that's not a lot of you probably even know where that is. I'll give you a little bit of time to find that. But while I give you time to find it, I'll just kind of kind of give you some some context and some kind of recap of what's actually going on here in Nehemiah's life. So Nehemiah was a Jewish man, but during this time, the Jews were under the rule of the Persians. So many years before even Nehemiah was born, uh, Jerusalem was attacked. It was attacked by the Syrians. The Syrians come, attacked, and conquered. Then the Babylonians come, and they attacked them, and they took over. And then the Persians actually come, and they, they took over. So now at this point, Nehemiah is under the Persian rule. Uh, so actually, Nehemiah became the cupbearer for the king of Persia. So what a cupbearer is, is just basically just a butler. He is a butler for the, for the king. But Nehemiah had gotten word that the walls in Jerusalem were destroyed. The walls in Jerusalem had to be destroy, destroyed and burned down. And it really, he had a burden. He had a burden and a desire to go and uh, rebuild those walls. Where that burden come from, where that desire come, it come from the Lord. That's where that burden come from. But what happened? Nehemiah took action. He took action. He went to the king. He asked for the king's permission. The king gave permission to go do it, and then Nehemiah prayed. So he took action. So this year, I think what the Lord is really wanting to tell us and to harp on us is spiritual disciplines. In case you didn't know, we have a, a Buck is doing a podcast, the Authentic Discipleship Podcast. If you haven't listened to that, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those. They're very short, but very good. Um, And this week's podcast was on spiritual disciplines. Um, So going back to Nehemiah, uh, he took action, but we got to figure out what happened first. So first, Nehemiah had a burden or had a desire to go and rebuild the wall. So going back to my question earlier, what is something that burdens you? What breaks your heart? What do you lie in bed at night and think about? 
Or it might not be a what, it might be a who. You know, who is on your heart? More than likely, this is the next step that God has given you. Um, it is. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was talking about a follower of Jesus always has a next step. That's what being a disciple is, is just following Jesus and taking step after step. And the person told me, he said, like, I don't know my next step. I was like, well, just do the last thing that he told you. Because he's not going to give you a next step until you do the last thing that he told you. Uh, so what is your next step? You know, it may be sharing the gospel with one of your loved ones, your parents, your kids, your coworker. Um, it might be just to simply invite somebody here to hear the gospel. The gospel will be preached every Sunday here at Connection Church. Um, maybe it's to go help someone in need. Maybe it's to go reach a community. I don't know what your next step is, but I'm sure that God right now, the Holy Spirit is laying that on your heart. You know what your next step is. Um, it might be salvation. It might be baptism. And so what is your next step? So Nehemiah knew his next step. He knew that he had to go back and rebuild the wall. So what are the next thing that Nehemiah done? Nehemiah prayed. Um, chapters 1 and chapter 2 of Nehemiah, it's just Nehemiah's prayers. It's prayers to asking God to move and also asking God to use him and, and also to have favor on him. So Nehemiah's prayers, too, if you go back and read them, they're actually just the promises of God. God had already promised that he was going to rebuild the walls. And Nehemiah knew the promises of God. So Nehemiah went and prayed the promises of God. Um, so after prayer, what did he do? He got to work. He got to work. He got up a team. He went and he started this rebuilding of the wall because God had answered Nehemiah's prayer. And Nehemiah started that process of rebuilding the wall. So this leads us into chapter 4 of Nehemiah. I'm not going to read it all together. We're going to go uh, kind of verse by verse or a few verses at a time. Um, so hopefully by now you've already found Nehemiah chapter 4. And I haven't because I'm not there yet. But I'll get there. Um, let's read verses 1 through 3. It says, when Sanballat heard that, the that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly insist. insist. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what, are they, um, what they are building, even a fox climbing on it, would break down the walls of stone. So first thing we see is Nehemiah had an enemy. You know, we all have an enemy. Each one of us has an enemy. And your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your coworker. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not even your ex-spouse. However, Satan can use those people sometimes, and some people, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but our enemy, who is our enemy? Satan. That's right. We all know that. We all have an enemy. And one thing about this enemy, um, he'll try to stop your next step. Anytime there's a mission that your own mission for God will always get pushed back from the enemy. How many of you have witnessed this? All of us. We've all witnessed. Anytime we try to take that next step with the Lord, the enemy comes in and he tries to attack. You know, I've seen marriages attacked. They're still being attacked. I've seen addicts trying to recover. I've seen them being attacked. I've seen whole families attacked. I've seen them with sickness and all different other things. Connect group leaders, they are really under attack. Um, and I know because God is using connect group leaders in a mighty way. You know, I've seen the staff here at church attacked. 
I've been attacked because God knows I'm, or Satan knows we're fisting to go plan in a gospel-centered church in Wilkeson County. But again, our enemy is not our spouse. It's not the person. It's, it's, it's Satan. And we all know this verse. We've heard these, this in Ephesians 6 over and over again, but I, I thought it was important that we go back and, and look over it. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 6, uh, or 10 through 18. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth tucked around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes for the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So all of this is an action. It's an action, and it takes effort. And one thing that I've seen in the American church for a long time is a bunch of Christians, which I call Christian streakers, that are running around. And all they, the reason why I call them that is all they're wearing is the helmet of salvation. That's all they're wearing. Um, how I know that is because they're not in the Word. They're not taking up the sword. They haven't clung to truth, which is Jesus. They haven't put on the belt. They're not going out there sharing the gospel because they haven't put on the shoes. They're not exercising their faith because they hadn't took up the shield. They're just wanting the salvation part and running around with just the helmet on, and they're exposed. And they're exposed, and Satan is attacking. So there's spiritual, there's spiritual disciplines that we have to take. That armor is, is an effort, and it's an action that we have to take. Um, and there's a reason we're told to put on this armor of God. It's for protection. But it's not only for protection, it's for battle as well. You know, people say that the sword of spirit, that's the only thing that we use for battle. It's not. The shoes are also. Us going and sharing the gospel, we use that as battle. That's an offense as well. So the sword and the shoes, that's offensive um, armor. Um, so many of you do know that I, I come from the chalk mine industry. And uh, one thing in the chalk mine industry um, that we did, we actually took kaolin or chalk. And we actually processed this kaolin or chalk into little, little beads, little bitty BBs. And then we would take these beads, and then we would actually put them through a, a hot rotating furnace. And this rotating furnace would get up to about 2,600 to 3,000 uh, 3, degrees. And then these beads would come out. And what that temperature done, that temperature actually took that, that bead, and it burned out all the impurities. And then it made that bead solid. Then we'd get off. But from time to time, um, what would happen is the temperature would get off or something would get off, and the material would go bad. The material would go really bad. And so what we would have to do, we'd have take this material and put it in a hopper and then take this hopper and put it in bags and we'd store these bags for rework later on. And every day in, in part of our meeting, what we did, we had to report how much rework material there was. Um, so in the, in the staff meetings, we would report, you know, we had X amount of bags and they would tell us, you know, hey, we need to get that material back up. We need to get it back in the system. And the words that we used was refire. So we'd put it back through the kiln or the furnace, or we'd put rescreen. We had screens that sized the material. 
And my boss would always say, he'd say, Stanley or whoever, he's like, anything with R-E in the beginning um, costs something. It costs something. And it also takes effort. Um, so that rescreen, rework, uh, refire, it took effort. And sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it was really hard because it liable to be 105 degrees outside and you're, in, and you're out there in the wide open and you, you're hot. Or you might, it might be the middle of the night, you know, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, 17 degrees, and you're out there freezing, freezing and, you know, it, it just takes a lot of effort. And sometimes it hurts. Um, but anything that starts with R-E takes, it's going to cost something. It costs something, and it's going to take effort. So this renewing, restoring, and rebuilding, it did cost something. It did. It cost something. But it's not so much cost you something. It cost Jesus something, and that's what he come to do. He come to renew, restore, and rebuild. But it does take effort on our part sometimes. God allows us to come alongside him and help with this rebuild process. You know, at salvation, um, you don't have to work for your salvation. Your salvation is free. It is free. Um, his grace is free. Um, that is called justification. When you become saved, you are justified. And what that means is you're free from the uh, from the penalty of sin. You're free from the penalty of sin at uh, justification, at salvation. But then we're in this process of sanctification. And what this process of sanctification is, is freeing us from the power of sin. It's freeing us from that power. So we're free at salvation from uh, the penalty of sin. Now we're saved from the power um, of sin. And then lastly, we'll be glorified. And that's in heaven one day. And when we get to heaven one day, we're going to be uh, free from the presence of sin. And I look forward to that day. But in the process, what all of us are in this room right now is in this process. Either we need to be saved or we're in this process of sanctification. And it takes effort. It takes work. Um, so what did Nehemiah do? What did Nehemiah do? So first, I want you to put on your armor. And again, that takes effort. But then we're told to pray. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did in verses 4 through 12. In verses 4 through 12. And this is Nehemiah's prayer. It says, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as a plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So watch what Nehemiah did. He says, So we rebuilt the wall to all of it reach half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. But when the enemy, when Sanballat, Tobiah, Arabs, Ammonites, and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But watch this. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. The enemy said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. And what did he do after he prayed? He got up and he went to work. And then what happened? The enemy started attacking. What did he do again? He prayed. What did he do after he prayed? He went back to work. You know, that's the process that we're in. Martin Luther said this quote, and I've heard Buck um, quoted it many times. It says, pray like it all depends on God, and then when you're done, go work like it all depends on you. 
So we have a part in this. So don't wait till you're in trouble to start praying. Do not wait until you're in trouble to start praying. Don't use prayer as a fire extinguisher. You know, start your day off in prayer. We're supposed to go on this 21 days of fasting and prayer, and if it wasn't for those 21 days of fasting and prayer last year, I wouldn't be standing here because um, God really spoke. You know, and I don't understand. I can't sit here and, and preach and teach on fasting and, and how it works. I don't know how it works. It just works. You know, we were talking with the kids the other day, and you know, Sarah, I was sharing with her about fasting, what we are going to do, and, and she was asking questions, well, what is fasting? I said, baby, the best thing I can tell you is telling our flesh no and telling Jesus yes. That's all I can tell you. Um, but God has really moved in, in fasting and prayer, he, and that's how Nehemiah started. He started weeping with his burden. He started fasting and started praying, and then he got up and he went to work. Um, so pray. Put on your armor and pray. So another challenge I'm going to give you, um, so what I do on Fridays, on Fridays I go, I'm alone, and I need that alone time a lot, but um, what I do, I take my phone and I set it for 20 minutes. I set it for 20 minutes and I just pray, and I won't stop praying until that 20 minutes is over. If I get interrupted, I restart the 20 minutes, and I just keep on until I can have 20 minutes with the Lord, and it's been very fruitful in my life, um, so that's a challenge. Spend some time in prayer. It don't have to be 20 minutes. Spend five. You can do five, set small goals. You know, but take note when the enemy started attacking again um, after the wall was halfway built. That's when he started attacking. So it's easy. It's easy for us to look at the little bit of progress that we've made and say, you know, I think I'll take a break. You know, it's easy for connect groups. You know, sometimes we get tired and it's like, hey, I think we need to take a break. But what happens, you take one break, then you take another break. Next thing you know, you haven't met in a week. And next thing, enemy comes in and y'all know, y'all been in connect groups. Or church is the same way. You know, I'll miss this Sunday. Um, not to judge anybody who took the day off. I know it was late night for a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, what happens when you miss church? You know, I miss church one Sunday, you know, trying to take a break. Next Sunday comes up, and next thing you know, you ain't been to church in a month and a half. And that's when the enemy comes in. And um, so my, my encouragement to you is don't stop. You know, don't stop praying and don't stop working. Um, because the enemy will come in, and he will try to destroy everything that God is doing. Um, uh, all my boys wrestle. Uh, well, three of my boys wrestle now. But I was watching a wrestling match with this little boy the other day, and, and um, the little boy, he was already losing, but he wasn't pinned yet. Um, and then the little boy just quit wrestling. And then what happened is the other boy pinned him. And what happened is that boy thought that the match was over. He thought he heard a whistle but the whistle hadn't blown. The, the match wasn't over. You know, any, any sport, you know, the play ain't over until the whistle's blown. And that's the same thing with us as Christians. You know, we're not done until the trump, trumpet blows, until God comes back. There's still work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done here in Dublin and in Wilkeson County. You know, an uh, example that I got is Vincent Village. A few weeks ago, we actually got to go into this village and pray over it. It was an awesome opportunity. We had 20 people, I think, that actually go... And we knocked on just about every door there. We got to pray over people. We got to meet some needs. Uh, and there was a lot of fruit from it. We actually gained a, a new sister in Christ. Uh, she actually come to church on that Friday night and gave her life to the Lord. So, yeah. And it's good, you know. And, and we clap, and we should, and we should celebrate that. But what happens is it's easy for us to say, look at the progress that was made. You know, look what we look what we've done last Christmas. You know, the work is not over in Vincent Village. It is not over. 
You know, we have to continue to go back because if not, the enemy says, what he told us, I think it's in verse 11, he says, before you know it, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put it into the word. That's what he wants to do. Something has to happen in Vincent Village. We have to go back. We have to go back. We have to plant a connect group right there in the middle of Vincent Village. We have to start discipleship groups right there in Vincent Village. But not only Vincent Village. There's other villages, other communities around us that we got to go to. And it ain't just the poor villages. We need to go to the rich ones too. You know, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. They don't have a need, right? They do have a need. His name is Jesus. And we have to go to those communities just like we have to go to the poor communities. We have to keep busy. We have to keep working. We have to. Your marriage, you know, it's easy to, to take a break from marriage or try to take a break from marriage. Um, for me, it's impossible. But, but we have to keep on, you know, praying for your wife. You know, I'm big on telling you guys to, to pray with your wife. Pray with her daily. And don't and I, we'll get in a good habit, good rhythm of praying every night or doing Bible study every morning. But what happens is we get tired. We get sleepy, you know, and we want to sleep in one morning. So we don't do Bible study. And next thing you know, a week has went by and we haven't done Bible study together. We're not praying together. But that's when the enemy comes in. She can tell you the enemy will come in. He'll start attacking. And um, he'll try to tear our family apart. But we have to get back. It's those spiritual disciplines of praying and fighting for our families. So in verses 10 and 12, it talks about the builders, how they were tired and discouraged because of the work. And there was so much rubble. Rebuilding is not easy. I don't know if any of you are in construction and you know that um, when you tear down something, you you build it back up. It's not easy. It can be hard and it can be messy. Uh, a few years ago, we renovated our house, and uh, we were only supposed to paint cabinets, but my wife had the bright idea she wanted to do countertops, which led to redoing the floors. The next thing you know, we're looking at popcorn ceiling that needed to be scraped off. So we started with the popcorn ceiling. I don't know if you've ever scraped off popcorn ceiling, but it's messy. Um, it's messy, and it's tiring. You're working overhead, got your arms over your head a lot, um, but we got all the popcorn Ceiling's scraped off, and then you have to go back and sand and mud and sand and paint. And it's just tiring. And then when you look around, you got popcorn ceiling over everything. And you can't continue the rebuild or reno- renovation until all that popcorn ce- uh, ceiling is up and, and moved. Um, sin is the same way. Sin is messy. It's messy. You know, we are saved from the penalty of sin, but there's still consequences, right? There's still consequences of our sin, you know. You know, in divorce, if you've, if you've been divorced, you know there's still consequences. If you've been an addict, um, you know there's still consequences of your, of your sin. Um, but that rock, rubble has to be dealt with. That's, that mess has to be done with. Um, and it's not easy at times. It's not. But there's another spiritual discipline that we need to do, and it's confess and repent of sin. Repent and confess sin. And not only to Jesus but confess our sins to one another. In James 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous man has, the, uh, has great power to prevail. And y'all, it is hard to do this. It's hard to acknowledge or tell somebody or admit that, hey, I got this problem. But the word tells us there's power in it, to confessing it to another brother or sister. There's power in it. Because what, what happens is you get your sin out there in the light, Satan can't use it. It's not in darkness anymore. And now you have a brother or sister that can come along beside you and pray over you and encourage you and, um, and stand guard over you. And that leads to the next point. It's what, you know, we, uh, the spiritual discipline of having community. 
Uh, verses 13, and we'll finish it out there. Verse 13, um, it says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest point of the wall uh, at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows and after I looked over things I stood up and I said to them nobles I said to the nobles the officials and the rest of the people and this is my favorite verse of the Bible it says don't be afraid of them remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes so good uh, when the enemy when our enemy heard that they were aware of their plot that God had frustrated it we all returned to that wall each to our own work from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armors. The officers uh, posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held the weapon in the other. And each of the buildings wore his, or builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. And, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued to work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. And at that time, uh, I also said to the people, have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon even when uh, he went for water. And later on, I'll just kind of give you the end of the story, the wall was rebuilt. The wall was rebuilt. 52 days, they say, it took to rebuild this wall. But it's important that we are in community. And that's why we're so big on connect groups and discipleship groups. Um, we're so big on it. We need community. You know, I know, again, if I have a problem with uh, anything. If I'm struggling in something, if Satan's attacking, I got a connect group that I can call or I can text. We got a group text. Um, but I can send a text to say, I need prayer. And I know I'm covered in prayer. There's network guys, all the pastors for Connection Church. I could text those guys and hey, I'm struggling. And they could pray over me. I got friends here at the church that I can call on and they, they'll come running. I'll blow that horn or blow that trumpet, trumpet and they'll come running. And, and um, uh, they'll encourage me. They'll pray for me. They'll also rebuke me if I'm wrong, and we need that as well. Um, so, but again, one of my favorite verses is that verse 14, where it talks about fighting for your families. You know, we have to fight. We have to fight. We are in a battle. We have to build, and we have to battle. We do, and that's just the life of a believer. But we don't fight like the world fights. We do not. How do we fight? We fight by prayer. We're putting on our armor memorizing scripture, reading the word, confessing our sin, getting in the community, and taking next steps. So just being obedient. That's how we fight. God does all the fighting. Moses told Joshua in Deuteronomy 3.22, it says, Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God will fight for you. He'll fight for you. So I want you to notice something in this story. The enemy never physically attacked Nehemiah the builders. Never attacked them physically. It was all lip service. It was all barking is what it is. That's what the enemy does. He barks. He wants you to fear and he wants you to doubt. But he's just barking. He don't bite. The other day, I went to Randy Deloach's house with Randy. And as we get out of the, the car, Randy's got this female German shepherd. She comes running up to me. She's barking and she's growling. And I, I'll admit, I was scared. I was scared. Um, 
But Randy called the dog, and the dog quit barking, and the dog come running back to Randy. So uh, the dog never bit me. It just barked. That's all it did. But it did scare me. Um, why did it never bite me? Because Randy was there. You know, Randy was there, and I was with Randy. You know, we have a good, good father. He wants to protect you. He is going to protect you. He loves his children. He loves his sons and daughters, and he will protect you. He'll let that enemy bark, but he won't let him touch you. And that's what's so good. It is so good. You know, and this may sound weird to some of y'all, but it is what it is. I could have looked at that dog, and I could have stomped my foot and said, get. And that dog more likely would have tucked his tail between his legs, and he probably would have backed up. You know, how do we say it in the South? Get from here. That's what we say. <laughs> get from here. That's what we say. But I could have done that. And that dog, he probably would. He tucked, he tucked his tail, and he probably ran. Um. Nehemiah in chapter 2, uh, we didn't read this, but I do want to read it to you. I want, this is, the enemy was barking, you know. It was barking loudly at Nehemiah and the builders. But I want, you to, I want you to see what Nehemiah told the enemy. He said, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We are, we his servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Did you hear what he told the enemy? Yeah, that's what he told the enemy. He told the enemy to flee, basically. You have that authority. Did you know that? You have the authority to tell the enemy to flee. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can do that. You can tell him. You have no claim over my family. You have no claim over my community. You have no claim over my connect group. You can do that. And you can make him flee in the name of Jesus. You can do and he's like, Stanley, that's so weird. It is. First time I've done it, it was weird, I will admit. Fridays when I'm in prayer, that's what I, I walk around our house. I walk in every bedroom. And I tell him, you got to leave from here. You have no inheritance here. You have no dwelling here. You have to leave. You have no claim here. You can do that as believers. You have the power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Jesus cast out demons. You can do it as well. You can do it as well. Um, but people say that's weird. But that's what Satan, Satan wants you to believe that's weird. Because he don't want you doing it. You can do it. We have to fight. When Satan starts to remind you of his past, or your past, remind him of his future. You can do that as well. Yeah. So put on your armor. Pray. Pray some more. Pray some more. And then get to work. And then pray some more. And then get to work. And then surround yourself with other believers. And start rebuilding. God wants to restore. He wants to rebuild. He wants to. He wants you to come along beside him and do it. And so lastly, as, as we start to rebuild, you have to make sure you're rebuilding on the right foundation. You know, I've, I've seen rehabs. I've seen guys go through rehabs, and they come right out. They do the 12 steps. They come out of rehab, and they go right back into what they, what they were doing. And the reason why, they haven't had their foundation on Jesus. Their foundation is not Jesus. I've seen marriages. Marriages go to counseling. They're not Christian-centered counseling. They go to counseling. They give them some steps to take. They take these steps, and then it don't work. Why? It's because their foundation and their marriage is not on Jesus. You know, I'm actually fixing to go through some marriage counseling because I'm having a, starting to have a lot of marriages come to me and want me to counsel them. All I know to do is tell them, your answer is Jesus. <laughs> That's all I know to tell them. Because ultimately what marriage, marriage problems are is actually not marriage problems. It's just gospel problems. They don't understand the gospel. 
Because what it is is two selfish people living in the same house. I know I've been there. If I'm not in the Word, I'm not praying, my flesh comes up. I become selfish, and, it, it attack, and Satan comes in. He attacks our marriage. That's what it is. It's ultimately a gospel issue. It's because that our lives and our marriages are not built on Jesus. It's, it's built on something else. Um, so that's why they fall apart. Uh, any other sin, you know, I think of idolatry or any other thing that we, we're trying to conquer. If we're trying to do it on ourselves, it's not going to happen. It might happen for a little while, and that's what religion is. Religion is I'm trying to kill my own sin. You can't without Jesus. You have to do it. Jesus is the only way we can conquer sin. He's the one who, who did the conquering. So we have to build our lives on Jesus. And I'm going to ask the, the uh, worship to come up, if y'all will. So without Jesus, rebuilding, restoring, renewing, any of that is not possible. It's not possible. So how do you get that firm foundation? How do you get it? First, you have to have a relationship with him. That's an R-E word that you don't, that don't cost you anything. Relationship, it won't cost you anything. It costs Jesus everything. It costs him. He came. Jesus came on a rescue mission. That's what he did. He came on a rescue mission to restore, renew, and rebuild. And all of these came at a cost. But again, it come at a cost for him. It come at a cost for him. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what needs rebuilding in your life? What needs restoring in your life? What needs renewing in your life? Is it your marriage? Is it your finances? Who needs renewing in your life? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your kids, coworkers. God wants to do that, and he wants to use you to do it. He wants to, if that's a burden that you already have in your heart, that's your next step. That is your next step. So again, Jesus came to restore, renew, and rebuild, and all these come at a cost. Because Jesus loves you so much that he come. We celebrated this during, during Christmas. He come as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He lived a life that you and I could not live. Perfect, sinless life. And then what did he do? He took the penalty of our sin. He took the death that we deserve to die, that you deserve to die, that I deserve to die. He took it. And he, he was nailed to a cross, and he died. But three days later, and this is the good news, he rose from the dead. He rose to the dead. So you could be restored, renewed, and rebuilt. That's what he did. And he wants to do that. So Stanley, how do I do that? Romans 10, 9. I want to read it to you because uh, I don't want to read just Romans 10, 9. I want to read the rest of it as well. Um, Romans 10. Romans 10. 9 says this. It says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess that your faith and are saved. And Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there, no, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all that call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how you have that firm foundation. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord. That's how you do it. So everybody close your eyes and let's pray and I'll close this out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you did come on a rescue mission. God, and you want to restore and you want to rebuild and you want to renew lives. God, you want to do that for marriages. 
You want to do that for finances. You want to do that for ministries. You want to do that for this community, God. You want to do it for the whole nation. God, but I pray for the one right here, right now, God, that what a better way to start out the year, a new year as a new creation. So I pray for that one that the Holy Spirit is talking to right now, and I just pray, Lord, that they would surrender their life to you. And I'm going to ask you, if that is you right now, if the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want to renew you, restore you, I want to make you into a new creation, would you raise your hand? Amen. And for the rest of us, you know, there's something going on in your family, in your marriage. You need it renewed, restored, and rebuilt. I want you to do like Nehemiah. I want you to start in prayer. And we'd love to come, we'd love to pray with you and over you. And I will ask the pastors and all the elders, as we see people come up here, especially if couples come up here together, we want to pray over you. We want to stand with that sword in one hand and that trial in the other with you. We want to help you rebuild. We don't want you to do it alone. We want to come alongside you and help you do that. So we're going to use this opportunity to come and pray for God to do a renewing and a restoring and a rebuilding in our lives. Won't you stand and worship with us? Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.